0: hey welcome to the trading success podcast if you're loving the podcast would love to help you start scale or automate your tradie business we help everyone from startup all the way up to one million dollar plus months and would love to be able to help you too so click the link in the show notes if you're interested in getting some support and joining an epic community of legends in the academy. We'd also appreciate if you're loving the podcast to leave a review. It helps us reach more people and help more tradies like you run successful businesses. All right, let's get into it. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Tradey Success Podcast. What we're doing today is the tradie business panel where we bring together some sharp minds to talk around a topic and today, we're talking about loving your business. You know, you fall in and out of loving your business all the time. And I want to make sure that you're getting a more comprehensive three dimensional view where especially in those hard times, you don't see the light anymore. I think when we start our business, we're super excited and we have an exciting vision and we know what we're working towards and we think life's going to be a certain way. And after years, of working the grind and actually not moving forward, we see a lot of people start to lose that motivation and start to become quite upset with their situation in business and then fall out of love of the business. So today what we're going to be covering is a couple of points. We're going to be talking about passion, we're going to be talking about the systems, we're going to be talking about the assets and we're going to be talking about making the profit in the business so that it's all worthwhile for you and you live a fulfilling life. So I'd love to introduce you to Alice, Greg Crow, Mitch, and Kirk Neal from the uh, Academy team of coaches. And we're gonna be kicking this one off with this first point around passion. So Kirk, I'd love to to hear from you, man. Like you were telling a story just earlier about one of the incubator sessions you're in, and uh, this was one of the core points. Can you just share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, uh, it's actually a question that comes up a lot. The question was, I'm doing a lot of work in a lot of different spaces. How do I find my niche? How do I settle on where I want to grow my business? Because at the moment, I've got my finger in a lot of pies and you know, I feel like I'm stretched too thin. Uh, and I, my sort of response there is I get to ask a question around the two main P's. And for me, the two P's are passion and profit. And if you can pull both of these levers at the same time, when the going gets hard, you're going to have that internal fortitude to continue on. But if you're missing one of these pillars, it's going to get really, when it gets hard, it gets really hard. So take, for instance, uh, let's just say we identify a business opportunity and we're able to make money and we start a business solely on profits because we've identified a space in the the market that we can make money in. If we don't have a real passion for that, when it gets hard, all that's left is money. So if the money is just the only motivator, you lose that internal drive to push forward. Uh, the opposite of that. Let's so just say we, we start a, a business in something that we're super passionate about or an area that we're super passionate about, but we don't have the profit. Yeah, then when it gets hard, you start to doubt those feelings that you have and go, is this really for me? Can I keep doing this? If you've got both of those, it insulates you against those hard times. And if you're unfortunate enough to have neither of those, life's going to get really hard and running a business is going to be super hard. If you don't have the passion or the profit, then it becomes a massive grind.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's what a lot of people just, they see their bosses when they are uh, employed and they go, I think I could do this better. I think I could do this myself. I, I think that they don't do any work and I'm just going to go start my own business and, and have all the free time and all the money. Um, and that's sort of what you start the business off that motivation. And then eventually you realize this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And it gets really hard. And I think that's, that's something we've got to continue to nurture and re- remind ourselves around is uh, why you got into business in the first place because you lose sight of that if you're in the grind all the time. Um, what do you think, Greg? Crow?
2: Yeah, I think passion in and around a product is, is you've got to have it. You know, you've got to have that that passion. I want this. I want to lead my industry, whether it's on site work or usually it is at the start, because exactly like you said, Greg, you're working for your old boss and you're like, he's making all the money. He's doing this and I'm doing all the hard work. You know, he's making all the money from me. And although you, <laughs> you haven't figured out that businesses actually costs money to run and he's not doing nothing, he's actually doing a lot of hard work. And you sort of find that out. But the passion has got to come from the product. And I think um, a really, um, positive sign for me, if you're missing one of the peaks, let's say you're missing the profit, but you're passionate about your job and you're good at your job. If the, if the product's good, then you should be making money from it. And, and so if you're passionate and you're putting in that hard work and you're putting all that energy and that time into an excellent on site product, then the profit has to come. And usually it's just a couple of levers to pull with the profit. Like it's a couple of one percenters that are slightly off. You just got to tweak and then re-engage but yeah good product is so important just look at anything any t-shirt that's a good product any coffee any car any anything of substance that's good always demands a profit and always demands um, more money than something subpar or substandard so yeah but passion's kind of like where it comes back to and you know you start a business for a reason and more often than not it's coming down to that like yeah i i want it you know I, i'm good and i'm excellent and i'm a technical expert let's do it.
0: Yeah, I think also what you have to understand is your employees need to be enrolled in this passion of yours as well. You know, a lot of the time as a sole trader, and even maybe the, the person you've started with, when you're both out in the vehicle together and we're always talking about it, everyone's enrolled in that passion of yours. And they're all got the same amount of passion. And as your business scales, you want to continue that passion, but the employees don't feel so passionate about it. So they're out there not fulfilling that passion with you. What do you reckon, Mitch?
3: I think business is a lot like relationships. Like when we're talking about passion, when we start off with someone new, you know, we're just discovering them, we're feeling it out, we're seeing what that's like. There's a lot of passion in that space. And when we start a business and and go through that phase, it's the exact same thing. And passion can decline over time if we don't actively seek it. If we don't actively, you know, sort out and find and make changes and tweaks and work at it. And that's one of the big parts here is that passion requires work in a relationship, in a business, in all aspects. And um, if you want to achieve it and, and hold that, you've really got really to understand that, you know, you have to move towards something different at different times, different stages and different parts of the life cycle, cycle of the business. Mm. Uh, all
1: right,
0: So right. I've got something to add. Okay, I've okay to go. Add. I know I felt you
1: were... <laughs> (laughs) digging in there before go for it um yeah like it ties in with exactly what mitch just said around you as a business owner you control your own destiny and doing the same thing for 20 30 years you know the passion you've got to expect the passion to sort of erode a little bit but understand that you are at the helm of your ship you just you control the the destination so you can change that and you can go down a different path that inspires that that creative and reinvigorates that passion to bring back that passion and just be—I guess the thing that's important here is check in emotionally with yourself. Do you still have the same passion for where you are right now as to where you were a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, or is it starting to wane? Do I have to do something? I need to check in, and, and like I guess that's something that isn't often spoken about in the business world—is is checking in with your own emotions frequently, because mm. you know if you if you lose this passion and you're simply doing it because there's profit, there is. Um, it becomes, when it gets hard, it becomes harder. And if that profit starts to be impacted in some way and there's no passion there as an underlying virtue, then you know it's gonna be really difficult to rebound out of that. But also around the staffing situation, your staff have to buy into that passion. If you see an opportunity to make profit and you as an individual aren't passionate in that space, but you can source the right staff that are, then that's a great opportunity because you can put passionate people into that position and still maximize that profitable space without yourself being fully invested in that process.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we were saying, like enroll the employees, you know, your management team and then it trickles down. Like you have to have handed over the passion before it gets too late. Like if you've lost complete passion and you're over it and you're being pessimistic and narcissistic and have a shit attitude towards the business and the clients and the work, then all of a sudden Your staff feel it, they start behaving like that. Your clients feel it, they start not vibing with you anymore. Um, And then the staff are out there and they don't vibe with them. And it's all because of the culture you're developing. So making sure that we're redefining what passion is regularly. We don't have to wait 20 years, try and do it annually at least, You know, and, and just make sure you're still on the right track. You got anything to say around that, Alice?
4: Yeah, I completely agree. I I think that um, if you think about it in a, from a salesperson's point of view, um, the best salesperson will always be the one who truly, truly believes in the product or the service. Um, No matter like, you know, how, uh, how driven that person is, if they don't have that initial belief in what they're selling, then they're not going to perform as well as someone else. So uh, having that initial passion and actually really believing in what you're doing to be able to Yeah, inspire your staff so that you're all on the same track and that you all really believe in what you're doing. And also um, inspire your customers to want to work with you because without that that initial belief and truly, truly, um, you know, really like seeing and believing what you're selling, um, you're not going to be able to inspire your customers. So I think that having that from the very beginning is what's going to get you through and um, separate you from all the other, you know, trades businesses out there that might just be doing it as a form of income.
2: Mm, Greg, if I I can add to that too, um, just thinking the the journey of passion, right? Like at the start, we're usually passionate to run our own business and it starts with being passionate to sort of deliver the product excellently. But then the passion becomes, all right, now I've got to do that and also get some profit too. So the two kind of fuel each other. But then the passion goes, all right, I've got to let everyone know about my product because my product's awesome you know and we know good product always profit always follows good product when handled correctly but then the pro, then the passion goes to okay how can i get someone else to deliver the product to the same standard i do either on site or in the office or whatever so your passion becomes to train and develop staff because you're capped at your sort of 40 50 60 hours a week but if you've got 10 staff i can get to 400 hours pretty quickly pretty easily right mm-hmm. so your passion is going to go through like almost a journey, and it's no doubt going to land you in a boat of, um, you know, in 5, 10 years time where you're managing staff, you're managing clients, and you're sort of dealing with maybe some larger quotes, whatever. But it's going to be in and around people, staff, and clients. And I we often see this and, and passion's so tied into vision, right? Because, you know, and so many business owners need to employ. It's a first, fifth, first higher, second high, fifth higher, tenth high, whatever. And they sit there and um and they think they're doing the interview. And then they are to an extent, but go with me here for a sec. And usually it's like, yeah, we're a good company and uh, we do good work and, and here's the clients we we work for. And there's no real um, passion, right? But imagine you sat in that, imagine you sat in in that interview. you know would you go for that job? maybe. But imagine sitting in an interview where someone, the business owner was going, "Yep, yeah, this is where we're going to be in five years time. There's not quite an operations manager role yet, but there will be, mark my words, our product is going to go out to this many clients. We, have, we pay our staff well above the award. We offer an incentive scheme for our staff, all this kind of stuff. The passion kind of comes out. And when the passion comes out as vision, people can then buy into the vision and be a part of it. And I love to compare this because like, As a 37-year-old, no, I don't look 37, but I am 37. As someone who's 37, if I was going to work, I wouldn't work at a small company to jump uh, back in ceilings, under floors, just do general sort of domestic work because my body probably won't hold up as well as it used to. I'd be looking for a role off the tools. And so many small companies undersell that because in five years' time, they will have a role for me off the tools. But was that communicated? Was that Did that passion come across in the interview? Uh, am I buying into something bigger than just my trade when you sign up to a company? Yes, of course you are. You're buying into vision. And passion is so entwined. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts in and around that.
0: Oh, man. I just want to say, if you don't share that vision with your employees, the exact same... Thing will happen. Like You've got so many scenarios I see in the academy with uh, different people and people outside the academy as well, where they don't share the vision with their staff and they'll be working away, work, 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 and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I'm leaving, I've got another job in the office somewhere. And it's like, oh, no, but I had a job for you. But they didn't, they didn't let them know and they didn't enroll on the journey with them. So it's really important. I want to stay on time. Let's move to the next point. Thanks, Greg. It was the perfect segue though, because we're moving over to systems. Now, passion can be transferred through systemizing the business, building processes and systems to automate uh, that passion through the service. Uh, McDonald's does it as much as I don't like the product there because of health reasons and my personal preference. Their systems around their franchise model that anyone can pick up and do really well is amazing. So just want to talk around the systems and how we can use systems to keep the love of the business for you as the business owner, but also to get everyone enrolling into that passion, like we're talking around uh, for the business. So let's uh, let's start with Alice this time. What are you thinking around the systems, Alice?
4: Yeah. Um, it's really funny because we often hear in some of our coaching calls um, with our members that um, put, you know, everyone wants to implement these really powerful, incredible systems so that, you know, they work towards automation, but we often hear people sort of think um, oh, it's just one more thing to do. Like, I just don't have time. It's another thing to do to yeah. get to that point. And, you know, we get it. We absolutely get it. There's there's always something more to do. But um, we always like to talk around uh, putting in the extra time at the front end to develop these really strong, solid systems so that everyone in your company is on the same page so that you're making things easier for your team, for yourself, Um, putting in that initial work so that your systems are so streamlined. Yes, it does take a lot of work and a lot of commitment, but this is going to avoid so much, I guess, pain and stress and all those things which are going to damage your passion. You know, what we were just talking about around passion, the things that make it hard are when things get stressful, things aren't easy. And that is going to happen. So putting in the time to develop these really solid systems um, that everyone's on the same page and working towards this common goal, it's going to be worth it in the long run because you'll keep that passion high if you do that.
0: Yeah, uh, I really love that you said that. I think it's you know the 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 time factor. I always see it as this: every system you put in, every process you put in your business is a brick in a building that's gonna shelter you forever. So if you think of it, you're laying bricks when you're building systems. And the other thing is like in our peak performance program, we have the flight path journey, which is you know we've broken up what strategies and systems and uh, things you need to implement into your business at certain levels in your business. So from startup to up to $20,000 a month, 20 to 40, all the way up to 1 million plus a month businesses And we have strategies for different things because you don't want to distract yourself with the strategies and systems that aren't relevant for you right now. We see a lot of people hearing that I should do this and I should do that, but it's not the right time for that system. And the other thing is, the system is only valuable to you while it's working, while it's in play, while it's automated. As soon as you drop that step in your workflow or in your business process, it's no longer adding value to your business. So you've got to understand a system needs to be automated as well. So that's a big part of our peak performers is once we build the system, how do we make sure you never stop doing it? So you reap the return forever. Um, so I love that you said that Alice, because it's so so important that we understand the value of you building a system and that you're going to be able to hand that, that work that you currently do as a business owner over to someone else to do. And we want to, people that are going to do it just as good as you. And we do that by enrolling them into the vision and the purpose of the business. So um, just you, quickly on that, jump on that. Mitch. just
3: quickly on that. I, I just want to talk around that automation, that systemization of a business. I think it's really, really important that we be mindful that we need to make sure our automations have personality that, you know, people still feel like it isn't just an automated process. You know, the people have the freedom to play around in that space. If they identify better ways to do things that they can do that, you know, if you want to talk of something as simple automation texts, you know, that that feels like it's coming from a real person, just like your brick wall analogy before or a, a wall analogy in general, you know, walls are traditionally quite boring. You know, if you put a picture on that wall, but it becomes exciting, it becomes different, it becomes, um, you know, tangible and fun. And with automations, I think it's really important that we're always looking at how can we actually add that personality into our automations? How can we know that this, this text or how can we know that this system has the ability for our staff to, to play with it and, and have it adapt over time and make it their own.
0: Yeah. I think it's really important to enroll your staff into the system creation and the automation delegation of roles as well, because otherwise you're sort of thinking that this is the best thing to do. And if they don't feel comfortable coming to you as an employer, then they keep working on an inefficient system when, you know, it might've worked for you because you had an understanding around X, Y, and Z. As soon as you hand it over to someone else, they're like, I don't get why I do this. And then they stop doing it or try and take the path of least resistance, which is to not do it or do it infrequently or do it when the boss isn't looking, you know? Yeah. Or not do it when the boss isn't looking sort of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah,
3: I think it also quickly comes back into that passion piece. Now, if we're talking about passion, the same thing over and over and over can get boring over time. But if we change it up, add some spice in, just like with our systems, um, that passion is reignited
0: yeah
2: let's talk about that for a sec in in systems passion right your passion might be to maintain a consistent product no matter what staff members doing it you know because whether I'm there or someone else is there the product is important the product sells and we need that to maintain some kind of excellence right so let's talk about most people weigh up the cost they go what's the cost of in like of implementing a new system or process. But the bigger question, maybe the better question, is what's the cost of not implementing it? And in the case of, let's take an example of on-site workflows. We could have admin workflows, but let's go on-site. Um, what's the cost to do it? 10 minutes per one. Uh, what's the cost to not do it? A lack of consistency of product. And just yeah. to highlight an example on this, um, we had a plumber, forget a, one of the staff members, uh, forget a conduit in a slab. right? And you can imagine being in that slab as a, as a tradie, you know, you've got your steelies, your concrete trucks uh, coming up, the carpenters are there and there's stuff happening. You're working in and around electricians and other trades and it's nuts, right? It's crazy. And this guy forgot it. And we were just chatting to the, to the peak performer going, is that, um, that's not that far fetched that so someone would forget it, but had they had an on-site workflow in slab conduits, stormwater tick, IO tick, all this kind of stuff, they wouldn't have forgotten it. And what what does that deal with? Like the consistency of product and the process or the system actually manages the people. Yeah. So it gets out of your head, right? You don't have to manage ten people consistency of product. You get your ten minutes per workflow, and that um, and that actual process manages the people.
0: Yeah. Cool. You've got some cool design happening on your screen at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm back. I'm, I'm you back need now. a system that was... around that, bro. <laughs> you yeah. need a
2: system put in place I mean, there. Yeah, plug it out and plug it in. System, but it was yeah. part
0: of his personalization of it, and it made it really exactly. exciting for us uh, to witness what just happened if you're watching on YouTube or uh, Facebook or Instagram or wherever. All right, cool. Um, all right, Kirk, speak on this for me, man. I know you're the systems
1: oh. man. Um, I just like to, I think what everyone said has covered off most of the, yeah. most of the fundamentals and the, and the actual mechanics of it all. But I like to talk at like, let's look at the theme of the session today. Love your business. Yeah. Um, love your business. How does systems create that? Because a good system takes away a lot of the pain in your business. Yeah? Is it, is it difficult to love something that causes a lot of pain? hundred percent. Is it easy to love something with minimal pain? Yes. So the good systems bring back a a way to love your business when you might be in a position right now where you're thinking like running my business is a massive burden, I'm, I'm not enjoying it, this is so bad. And sometimes people get confused with what they need first. And in that step, I would encourage people to look at systems because it can reignite that love for your business by removing some of the pain. And it works on both sides because as an employee, who wants to come to work and do something that's hard day in, day out Yeah, Yeah. not many people, but if you can create a system that makes coming to work easy, people will enjoy that. Therefore people can love their job. Yeah. If you can make a workplace that allows people to operate in relative ease due to great systems and processes, they'll find more enjoyment. They'll love their job more. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Thanks for sharing that Kirk. And I just bought uh, an, uh, idea to my mind as well, which is a lot of fear from the people that first come into the academy and we have to break down this fear, obviously, and help them understand that growth isn't more work. Growth doesn't e- always equal more pain and more problems. You know what I mean? Uh, if we've got good systems in place, it's actually creating more time for you, more profit, more freedom as a business owner, and more freedom uh, for your team as well, with, with the good systems. they've don't have to work so hard to get the the same result with a disorganized organization so um, with a disorganization i should say (laughs) Uh, anyway so (laughs) (laughs) moving on to our third point and uh greg crow i'll get you to kick off on this one because you love talking around uh seeing your business as an asset like a much greater asset than uh, especially at the start around putting your money into something that's outside of your control. So let's speak on this for a second.
2: Yeah, I really love this subject because um, so much, uh, so many times we just often look at our business um, and it needs us. You know, it's like it's like a small child. You've got to feed it. You go to the invoicing. Uh, you've got to change the nappy. You got to do the quotes, you got to do this, you got to the reconciling, you got to go to this, got to go to that. And it's just always something to do. And it can feel like a massive burden or a liability. And we know business gets really hard. Like we know the stats. Uh, most people fail to make money in the first sort of five years of business. We know one in five businesses fail, right? Uh, and we know that some people can feel a, like a slave to the business. And I always want to challenge the mentality in and around that. Your business can be your, your greatest asset. You know, it can return you far more than um, other things, and and like an asset, you got to look at it with an asset mentality. No one, um, this is maybe the best example to explain the asset mentality. No one renovates their house and thinks they've lost money, right? So you don't do a five hundred thousand dollars renovation on your home and then go, oh, I've just lost five hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or whatever. You're like, no, I had an asset that was worth this much at a home worth this much. And now it's worth this much, right? So I think that when, when you're investing, whether it's, they call it sweat equity at the start, when you're investing time, money, effort, energy, uh, all that kind of stuff into your business, it's not for nothing. And don't let it be for nothing. It's got to be for the asset. And if you've got that asset mentality, an asset is something that you can leave and still be generating your money, right? So you can go on holiday, still generating your money. You can go around somewhere for a year, still generating your money. You can step out for a portion of time and do another business venture, still generating your money. And that's where we've got to get our businesses to where it's working for us and we're not just slaving away to it.
0: Yeah, I think the, the big mistake I see a lot of people do is they, they get to end of tax time uh, and they talk to their accountant, how do I minimize my tax? They haven't actually looked at their P&L for the whole year. And they're like, how did I go? And the tax account's like, yeah, pretty good. You made some profit. Um, So let's try and minimise the profit. We can just put a bunch into superannuation. Uh, Why don't you just put a bit into your, we can put a bit into your home loan. Uh, A lot of pressure comes from, you know, your partners sometimes to pay down the home, which is an employee mindset, an employee strategy. You know, we should have as much cash available to us as as much as we can, especially when we can use that cash to put on extra staff and create leverage within the business and the asset that you control. That's the big thing. You control your business, your trading business. You control it, but you go and put it on your property, you don't control the property market. You go put it on shares, you don't control the shares. You might try your best to make the best decisions, but you don't have a good understanding like you have a good understanding around your own business uh, and the operations there. When you understand how to pull the levers and build the right systems like we were talking about before and what we teach in our peak performers and implementing all of those strategies in the flight path, once you build those into your business, your business just grows and it takes away the time and the prof, uh, the pressure from you so that you can enjoy your business a lot more. You know, you, Like Greg said, you invest time and energy early at the start, but then we, we need to make sure that we're reinvesting into our business and putting on staff that remove the time and energy requirement for you as a business owner so that you can go away um, and spend some time doing stuff you love. Uh, Speak on this, Mitch. This might be a bit controversial, but, and I want you to think into this. I want you to think about,
3: there's been this great brainwashing that's occurred. You know, everyone listening in, if you, if you think around it, you know, at some point in your life, you've been told, Yep, I've got to get that, that home. I've got to get that investment property. I've got to get those shares. Bitcoin, whatever it is you're into, there's that I've got to get into this. And exactly what you said just then. We, we move so far from where we can actually control and actually make money into thinking that those are the places where we can increase our wealth. Those are the assets that we should be playing with. When ultimately, well, the second you start a business, you are sitting in a Porsche. Yep. Yep. You're sitting in a Porsche. It might not have an engine. Might be no transmission. There's no wheels. There's no doors. There's nothing. But you've got a Porsche. You've got the chassis. And over time, you can add all those components in. Over the next couple of years, you can add them all together. And three to five years later, you can be driving around in a SIG Porsche. You know what? <laughs> and that's a great asset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Same with the building, like the, laying the bricks as well. Like if you, if you feel more comfortable thinking about buildings or if you think about you're building your own spaceship, whatever, like that you're putting the pieces together to take you to where you want to go. And that's why we need to start with the vision and the passion as well at the start. You know, it's a really important, the first session of our three month incubator program is getting you ready to understand what your future looks like. A lot of people don't understand what the future can look like and often underestimate what's involved in their business and what their business needs to look like to give them the life that they think they want so um so it's really important um that you start to understand that all of your energy if you reinvest it like putting in the parts to the porsche it builds this engine for you this this vehicle that's going to be able to take you to the places that you want to go in life so um i love that mitch thanks so much for sharing alice what are you feeling around this
4: yeah um greg you briefly mentioned it but uh, i want to talk a little bit around i guess getting um maybe like loved ones uh Primarily, family on board with this asset um, mentality as well, because there's there's one battle around, um, you know, growing your business and staying motivated and having this passion and following it through, and you know, uh, yourself seeing um, your business as a as an asset and such a strong, valuable asset that will bring you much more returns than yeah, any other investment that you can do, um, but also getting other people you know in your life on board and being able to understand that as well is so important because um again we we hear this a lot in some of our coaching sessions around people's maybe their partner or someone someone in their life who uh, might not quite understand how important how valuable an asset your business can be and there's you know there's different reasons for that um I think people have had such different upbringings and different backgrounds and different experiences um you know, Kirk, Crowe, and I were actually talking last week around how uh, Kirk and I come from very, like, business backgrounds uh, in terms of our families, and so we grew up um, from childhood having this sort of uh, small business idea that that is, like, the ultimate, um, I guess, goal and success, and we can really see the value in it, whereas um, Crowley, uh comes from a family that just didn't have... He had a different experience um, where, you know, playing it safe and maybe just having a nice, solid... Um, you know, really reliable job was seen in a different light. So I think that having these different upbringings and different mentalities around it is can be part of the battle around winning people over mm-hmm. in your family because at the end of the day, um, having that security and all our big dreams around growing an automated business and having this really successful um, fulfilling life where we're having, you know, bringing in a lot of money to create these beautiful lives for ourselves, it can be hard to convince others around us um, that your business is going to do that. So I think that educating people in your space is just as important as having this asset mentality yourself.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Thanks for bringing that up. It's such a, such a handbrake for business owners when your partner isn't enrolled in the journey. You know, if you are passionate about growing the business, but all your wife or partner uh, or husband sees is that you're never there. You don't have time for them. You uh, say that you're going to create this business and all this money for them, but you haven't yet. When's it gonna happen? You know, and I was a victim of that myself. Like I wasn't very good at communicating with my wife, the vision I had for the business and what it meant for our family. Um, and so all she saw was me just working like an animal all the time and, and not really understanding why. Um, now she looks back and goes, oh my God, and that's why we wanted, you know, in our Pick Performance program, we've got the Squad Partner Support Group, which is where we support the wives and the partners and husbands of the business owners and help them understand the true value of this asset that you have, the full control over this asset. Um, so, love just quickly to speak on this too, Kirk, before we bounce onto the last point and we wrap this one up for today.
1: Uh, yeah, guys, uh, it's super motivating here hearing all the talk around, yeah, your business is the best investment and it is a very powerful revenue generating asset for you. Uh, I want to speak about the the early stage though, because Chloe just touched on it briefly. When you start a business, it's a liability. No two ways about it. You go to work for your business. Mm -hmm. And I think too many people get comfortable in that space where they haven't generated an asset yet. They they go to work for a liability and they're under this illusion that that's creating the fulfillment that they're after. And it's just not right. Mm. Any delay in that tipping point is at detriment to your success. And I think people take it too slow at the start. I think people set their goals too low. Mm. And I I feel like if you start a business, it should be your number one driving passion to tip from liability into asset as soon as possible. And any delay in that space is just wasted time. And it's not going to happen in a week, in a month. You know, it takes takes you, you need to be able to develop a client base and build out some staff before that business becomes an asset and it goes to work for you. Mm-hmm. And until that point, you're you're going to handicap your potential returns from this asset because really you're telling yourself it's an asset when it's actually a liability. Yeah. So you have got to get it to that stage to realize this, and that's what that's what everyone starts a business for. Um, and delaying that infancy and taking it's slow in that space, doesn't benefit anyone in the journey.
0: Yeah. So on that, the asset is the systems and processes and the bricks, right? So if you are still doing all of those things, you're still, it's still a liability. Every time you implement a new system and process in your business and automate it or delegate it to someone else. Now you've started to build the asset. So just really start to think around that guys. Like, the, the more bricks, processes that you build, the systems into your, into your business and you automate it so it doesn't stop happening, the more of an asset you're building for yourself. Eventually you're gonna to get to the point where you don't have to work, you've got ultimate freedom. Uh, you can either sell your business or live, uh, go and do another project or spend the cash that you're generating on property investment shares because that's a strategy to minimize personal tax and it's a great thing that you can do with when you've built this asset into a, cash generating machine, then you can go and do those other investments as other boosting uh, potentials for you and your business and your life. Um, So such a good point there, uh, Kirk. All right, guys. Yeah, Mitch. Hey, Greg.
3: I've had a little bit of a mind explosion based off something that Alice was talking around. And, you know, it comes back to, if you guys love something, we talk about it, right? Like you don't sit there hiding the things that you love, okay? And if you do, you shouldn't, right? But, um, and it comes from the barefoot investor you know, they have the financial date nights once a month or once a fortnight or whenever it is. I think it's really important, as you said before, to make sure that our partners and family and all that are enrolled in this journey. We should be having conversations once a fortnight, once a month, whenever it is, with our loved ones, with our partners, with our family, about our vision, about where the business is going, about where we see it going. Because if we aren't communicating that then how are they meant to know what we're thinking? How are they meant to know that, hey, we need to live in an as- this asset mentality and we need to be doing this and that. And this is what it's going to look like. These are the pain points that are going to arise over this bit of time. You know, they
2: can't know that if we're not talking about it. Oh, mm. well, Mitch, i just got to go here for just a sec. Um, because so many times I was guilty of this. I bring uh, Elodie home, Bad news. Yep. Oh, this client's done this. Oh, this staff member's done this. Oh, oh this I'm job sorry. went south. Oh, I misquoted this. Oh, I misquoted that. So, and but I was having gen- generally good weeks. So we're making money and I was happy, but I was taking her home negative news all the yeah. time. So oh, she man, thought I hated my job. And, yeah. I'm like, and so she started to resent my job for me because she loved me. And then I got to a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just bringing home negativity. Day yeah. in, day out. And I had to really change. And, and I had to, you know, it's funny how you can have 10 things go right in a day, one thing go wrong, but bring home the wrong thing. And I want to challenge that mindset and attitude. We've got to bring home the nine good things. Report the good news. What happened that was excellent? The bad stuff's always going to happen, but start to change your focus. Critical stuff. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing, man. That's such an important point. All right, guys, final point for today uh, in our, look at the awesome stuff that we've covered here, guys. So we've talked around passion, systems, and asset. Uh, mindset with your business. The final one we're going to talk around is profit. So, how important is profit, guys? Let's talk around that. Do we need it? I like it. I like do need, it. Do we even need profit?
2: <laughs> yes. I'm not gonna say uh, I'm not gonna say like I, I get you go to work for different reasons than money, but it's gotta be a byproduct. Yeah, the byproduct of an excellent product is profit, and we shouldn't feel bad about that, mm-hmm. right? The byproduct of staff. Of having a team should be more profit, and and we shouldn't feel bad about that either. Leverage profit, right? leverage profit. Leverage. So profit, and usually the coolest thing is usually if people aren't making profit, it's a couple of the small things to change, and they like and we that's what we do. People come in here when they've got a good product, and not making any money, and we turn that around. Really simple, like some cost operations calculations. Most people are just charging what Jimmy's charging down the road. When Jimmy was wrong, Jimmy <laughs> yeah. made a mistake, Jimmy had a bad spreadsheet, Jimmy had a bad week, uh, Jimmy had a bad experience, you know, but it doesn't have to be like that. I, I feel like profit's got to be there and it's, if you've got to be earning, if you're by yourself uh, or a one-man band or whatever, you've got to be earning more than you could earn for someone else, significantly more than someone else. And that should challenge your charge out rates. And on from your from there, to it, it grows on, on, on your way to it. And, I, I, yep. and I, love, I want to hear you on this, Mitch, because I know you're big on like, you know, not taking all the money from the business and chucking money back into it as you're growing it. Do you want to touch on, on that? Yeah, I, I just love raising the question to people and, and getting them to think on
3: it. You know, ponder on it for a second. If I said to you right now, hey guys, if you live on 50K right now for the next five years, you'll be able to live on $500,000 for every year after that Would you do it? You know, and it's interesting when we're on calls like this and we can see lots of people's faces, you ask that question. You always see a few people like, I'm worth more than 50. I don't want to live on 50. And I'm not saying that you're going to live on 50. I'm just asking you to live on it now. Like eat a bit of humble pie, you know, like rein the expenses in, run a bit of a budget, invest that money in the business, scale it 10 times faster than people that are living on 150 grand a month. um, And you know what? You'll end up in a far better place quicker. It, fuck, it actually irritates me a lot when I sit, had it last week I see people and they're just pulling money they're just like yeah oh. yeah I need to pull it oh yeah I pay myself a hundred grand oh my partner gets this you know my friends get whatever and I'm like yeah but you're still it's still just you doing everything and you're complaining that there's not enough money in the business to grow it'll well, put it back it's like yeah. put your hands away mate the pie I,
0: maker uh, <laughs> oh. I uh... I've, this frustrates me as well, because we're obviously helping a lot of people to understand how to read their financials. And when you don't have transparency over the financials, we see a, a lot of mistakes around this. Uh, one big one is that they're paying themselves into a liability account, which doesn't show up in the P&L. The profit shows that it's a lot bigger than it is. And then and then they don't have any reporting understanding of looking at a balance sheet and seeing how that interplays with the, with the P&L. Um, And so they're basing what they're making off what's in the bank. And so we've got these things called taxes. We've got these things called wholesaler bills, which are, you know, a liability to us until we pay them off. They build up in the background. And so people get paid for these jobs and thinking, yeah, we've got heaps of money. Hey, uh, wife's complaining a little bit about something. Husband's complaining. Uh, you know, I want this. I want that. Yeah, cool. Well, we're doing pretty good. I've got some cash. Let's just pay you that. All of a sudden, they're taking this big chunk of money out. You know, we, we went, there's a couple of people, we've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars taken out into this liability account. And so it doesn't show up. You know, it looks like they're making profit, but doesn't show up there. And then they're like, I've got no money. I'm so stressed out. Where's all the cash? We've taken it out and then spent it on illiquid things. You can't sell them now. You know, you can't. This is what I'm saying. If you go and pay down your home loan, that's you've given the money back to the bank. And so all of a sudden, you can't redraw that unless you go and do a proper redraw facility in your in your home loan. And if the property markets dropped, I'm sorry, you're not redrawing anything. (laughs) The money's locked away, thanks for giving the money back. So there's these things that you need awareness around, you know, and you know, a lot of people just try and wing business. And I'm sorry, but it's, it's so much In running a business, you need to understand, first and foremost, how to understand where your financials sit uh, and make sure your financials are accurate. You know, in our peak formers, we've got a full-time accountant that just sits and looks at our peak formers accounts, making sure there's no mistakes. Because if there's mistakes in there, it can look like you make massive negative profit in certain months. It might look you have super profitable one month and then super negative and you don't know why. And also, it can make it look like you're making heaps of money all the time, but you're actually negative every single month. So, you know, it's really important we get clear and transparent around our financials. That's such a good point. Thanks, Mitch. All right, Alice, how about you? What have you noticed around profit and the way that people think around profit?
4: I, f- I find it really interesting um, in so many of our coaching calls with our newer members, uh, how they have this like guilt around profit and this guilt around how much they should be charging. Um, and it's this its this awful thing that, you know, the general public or society, whatever, has created um, this expectation that trades businesses should be, you know, uh, discounting and uh, dropping their prices when people ask for a discount um, or, you know, people always being out for the best deal and things like that. And so people, you know, might get asked one really simple question around... Um, or can you do a better can you do a better deal can you do a better price or oh that seems expensive like oh why, why is it that much whatever it might be and people and some of our newer members are so quick to drop their prices so quick to discount mm-hmm. and they also discount because they haven't been through our programs where we've done these really strong um, calculators that we use as coaching tools they haven't accessed that yet and they'll just quickly drop their prices like that based on nothing, based on not even truly understanding their numbers. So they don't really even know if at this point they're making a profit. And I just want to talk a little bit around the, the guilt around charging what you're what you're worth, charging what it actually costs to run a business and how profitable it uh, should be and needs to be um, because we get so many people who, yeah, it's this like really... Uncomfortable feeling around asking for money, and it's like, well, you've started a business. Like, you've started a business, not a charity. We all, we always kind of promote that, and this whole idea around I need to just give someone a discount because they ask for it. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Um, so we really we're always preaching it around building confidence. This uh, confident mindset around profit, I think, is so important because it's going to help people uh, recognize what they're worth and what their business is worth see it as like this really powerful um strong uh business and this really strong way to yeah increase you know your assets um but also something around i guess personal confidence that you don't need to be discounting and you know selling your services for what they're not worth Um, so we're all about building that confidence and you know, the mindset sort of around that sounds like such a small and easy thing, but it's, it's, it can be quite a journey to come past because, like I said, um, I think that the general public and society has really built up this idea for so many years now that trades businesses maybe aren't worth, you know, this, the same really high caliber that what we're promoting and what pe- we know that trades businesses are worth. So I think that, um, Trying to reflect on how important the confidence is around profit and how it really ties in, and it's such an important thing, is something that you should always have in the back of your mind. And, um, you know, we've been talking around passion. You know, passion comes into um, really believing your product and charging what you're worth is such a huge part of that.
0: Yeah, 100%. Hey, guys, I just drew Alice. Thank you so much for saying that. It's just brought a really important point I think we should talk around when, since we're talking around profit. And it's this. Understanding up on the up on the screen right now, if you guys are watching this, I'll try and be as as visually vocal as I can, but I've drawn like a rectangle and it's got materials in red, uh, labor in red, it's about, you know, you know, 45%, 45%. And then we've got profit at the top and it's in green, it's 10% profit at the top. And a lot of the time, like Alice said, the total job here, let's just say it's $3,000 to do the job. So a lot of people are like, oh, $3,000, that's a lot of money. But what we've got to understand as business owners is that's materials and that's labor that you have to pay someone to do the job if you're employed or it's your own time and you're paying yourself to do the job, okay? So you're left with this 10% profit. Now this is just profit on the job. This doesn't take into operational costs um, and other things that uh, cost you to run the business. We can't run on this, but a lot of people do with such low hourly rates and and pricing systems that they've used. Um, And so if we just have a look at this example, customer complains, initially they get this reaction. It's like, oh, they're saying I'm expensive. I must be expensive. All right, I'm gonna drop my price. All right, I'll give you 10% off. It is 3,000, that's expensive to me as well. So yeah, I'll just drop 10%. They've just dropped 100% of their profit and they're doing this job for free free you hey can you come out to my house and do all this work for free for me please like the amount of people that do that is ridiculous sometimes you're actually dropping below that and you're actually paying them to go and do the work for them because you got a bit insecure around your pricing and now hey can you come out to my house pay me 200 and do put in all these new tapware and ceiling fans and redo my paint work in the house like all of this stuff people Think that they're doing the customer service but it's all because of a lack of understanding around your pricing structure and what it actually costs you to run the business. Week two, cost of operation and in incubator. We cover this stuff off so you guys don't have to worry in fear but the other thing is a lot of people don't even know they're doing it. Let's just flip the script real quick. So let's just say you put your prices up by 10%. So all of a sudden you're now charging $3,300 for the same job It's not that much more than 3000, is it? It's 3300. But all of a sudden, you've doubled your profit, you've gone from 10% profit on the job to 20% profit on the job, just by a 10% increase in price. So then the question becomes, how do I increase my pricing and continue to win the work? That's the the things that you've got to understand and learn. So um, but thank you for sharing, uh, Alice, because that was such a really important point uh, for people to understand.
3: Just really quickly on it, Greg, you touched on our week to an incubator cost of operations. You know, we had that uh, last week and I was in that call and in our breakout rooms afterwards where we're talking around any hurdles you've currently got. A guy was like, you know, I've gone through my cost of operations and there's no way I can charge this price. And I said, well, that's fine. You're out of business. But that's as simple as it is. You're making no money, then you don't have a business. If you're not going to charge that price based on the facts that are being presented to you, Then you don't have a business. You know what? Shut the door. You're just cash flowing your lifestyle. It's all going to come crumbling down soon. Yeah, that's um.
1: Yeah, I I want to touch on that as well, Mitch, because the people are afraid of profit. Like Alice was talking, I see a lot of negative self-talk as well. Like I can, I can't count the amount of people that I speak to, and they're like, "Oh, ask them what they want out of the business. Oh, I didn't start my business to become a millionaire." And I'm like, "Why not? Yeah, it's just this throwaway limiting." Limiting self-talk, and I'm like, you need to be a millionaire. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> how are we going to achieve these goals? How are we going to how are we going to be ambitious in anything that we do? So, firstly, eliminate limiting self-talk from the equation. But what Mitch was saying there highlights the importance. What I started with, with passion and profit being the two drivers here around your business. Crowe mentioned that. Yeah, I haven't heard of too many businesses failing that were profitable. Yeah. Okay, so have you, have you started a business to fail? Because if you have, exist in this no-profit space. But if you've started a business that you want to be successful, then fundamentally it needs to make profit. And if yeah. you don't feel comfortable charging the rates, like Mitch was saying, if you don't feel comfortable charging the rates to make that profit, then we're doomed from the start. Let's try something different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You need to find in yourself the confidence to be able to deliver a service and charge the right money. But if you're not making profit now, Don't think that things are going to change in the future and it's all going to come flooding in later, yeah, because your business will will collapse around you before you get a chance to. Yeah, I've never, I haven't heard of too many businesses failing in that first period in in business if they're profitable. All of them fail because they're not profitable. Mm -hmm. So if you you neglect this at your own risk and all of you listening, I'm sure didn't start a business to fail. The other thing on on that,
2: that. sorry, Greg,
0: again. Yeah, so I was just going to say uh, why you're, guys where you with your pricing as well if you're running months on end months 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 and then years we've seen people go years without running at a profit you're digging a hole that you have to then work yourself out of which will take time to recover from and so it's better to get this sorted now get it sorted figure out how to do this now understand this stuff now so that you don't go months and years into the red where now you've got huge tax bill debts you're owing superannuation to staff Uh, the other thing is if you're struggling to grow like understand like how am i going to grow how am i going to employ someone when i don't have the money to employ that's going to immediately says to us pricing issue your pricing issue or efficiency issue like you're either not doing enough work or you're not pricing enough if you're busy all the time and you're still not really profitable we've got an issue it's a pricing issue therefore how do we redo your pricing system and to enable you to make profit, have less mistakes, less kickback from customers um, so that you can continue running a profitable business and provide more value to your customers as a result of that. You go, Greg. I
2: was going to say, she kind of just touched on it then. He was talking about, you know, so many people come and they're like, I've got a cash flow issue. Uh, the cash just seems to come in and then it goes out (laughs) whatever i get just goes out and it's a sure sign that you are just actually charging incorrectly that Mm -hmm. whatever's coming in is going out there's no buffer there's no profit there's no margin and our calculators um week two cost operations and incubator and also uh an elaborate version of that uh, the hybrid calculator for our peak performers literally tell you how much to charge so it's not you can't have any ego you can't have any insecurity because mass a spreadsheet has figured it out for you and laid it out. And I just think that um, that kind of information breeds confidence because it's like, no, I'm not basing my rate off someone else's rate. I'm not charging what the, the amount of times in Kirk, Mitch, go, go with me, Greg, you too, Alice. Um, the amount of times you hear no one's charging that in my local area. I can't do that here. Yeah. It's like, well, you, you have to because mathematics has got you to a, a number. And if it's less than that, you're actually, um, it's just the reason why you th- so many people think they're making so much money and they get to their account and they're like, I didn't. Oh, and they go, I'll push really hard again. And it happens again. I'll push really hard again. And it happens again. Almost three, four, five years go in business, three, four years of their life, three, four years of their marriage, three, four, five years of their kids' lives with no money, no profit, lot of stress. It's too much to handle. So um, come see us sooner rather than later. Yeah, I I
0: have a personal story like this was a breaking point for me, which was one of the most toughest periods of me mentally getting over and, and staying in a business and keeping my love for the work. It was I worked probably 16, 18 hours every day, maybe on the weekends, a little bit less. But every single day I was working nonstop, didn't have kids. So I was just nonstop working for the whole year trying to grow the business. Got to the end of the year. And then I was looking at my financials, but obviously you're still so busy just trying to get the work done, got to the end of the year, and I made $2,000 net profit. 16 to 18 hour days, all week, every week, all year, and got to the end, and I made $2,000. Now you do the math. divide 2000 by the number of hours I worked in the year, I was on cents per hour, right? I wasn't on dollars per hour, I was on cents per hour. And it crushed my, lo- my, my love for my business at that, in that moment, just slightly. I said, this can't fucking continue. This can't keep going like this. What do I have to do to understand this? And that's when I started digging deep into like understanding accounting, studying accounting, catching up with my accountant every single week, learning accounting, learning the financials, learning profit and loss, learning balance sheet. And that's why we're so passionate here at the Academy that you guys understand that stuff. Because if you don't, you go years and years and years working your guts out thinking you're moving forward and you're not. So, um, yeah, super passionate about this stuff, guys, because it hurts. I don't want you to hurt too. All right. Who's speaking on this next?
3: Can I just say I'm actually a little disappointed. A little disappointed that Greg Crow used his uh, maths don't lie analogy without bringing Shakira into the mix. Yes, you're
2: right, man. You usually, usually <laughs> say uh this spreadsheet is like Shakira's hips or mouse is like Shakira's hips, it doesn't lie, right? And that should bring out some confidence in you, just like Shakira's hips don't lie. Mouse doesn't lie. So when you've done your uh you've got to do the spreadsheet, you've got to know your numbers, right? Good to know your figures, you've got to know your hip movements. It's all critical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Guys,
0: uh, for Good. those of you that aren't academy members at the moment, uh, go ahead and sign up. 30-day free trial. Would love to have you in there. Uh, Come to our live sessions, Greg Crow takes every Thursday night, live coaching, teaching you some really valuable things. Greg, what's the the last couple of weeks been uh, holding? What have you been delivering there?
2: We've had an absolute bumper last six weeks, I reckon. Um, We've talked about um, setting up the vision, so establishing that vision, um, and then we've talked about uh, job management series. What job management system should you be on? And if you're not on one, you've got to go and check all those out. Uh, we did a sauna, Greg with you last week yep. on, on task management and having a task management system. Then now i have got coming up calendar management, uh, financial planning sessions, uh, how to get the most out of your van financing, all that kind of stuff. It's a couple of weeks on sales. So yeah, we've got a really killer next couple of months too. And you can go back and watch all the old content. It's unbelievable stuff yeah. in real time. Guys, just get in there. We're here to help you. We want you
0: just absolutely killing it in business. We don't want you doing it the hard way. We're here to support. Um, once you get in there, you'll learn about the incubator program and peak performers where we can really support you in growing your business. But we'd love to hear from you. Any questions, just reach out. Uh, thanks. Thank you for all of you coaches joining us today. Hope you guys have got a better understanding of how to love your business holistically, understanding passion, how systems interplay play with understanding your asset mindset, and why profit is so important for you loving your business. passion profit interplay that kirk likes to talk around all right guys thanks for joining us and have a good one so if you're loving the podcast please share with your friends anyone that's thinking about starting a tradie business or got a large tradie business we help everyone from startup all the way up to million dollar plus months we'd love to help you too and lastly it would mean a lot if you could leave a review on the player that you're listening to this on It helps us get out there and help more tradies in business perform better and create better lives for themselves.